Hey, I'm so glad to see you today. We want to welcome those worshiping with us online as well. Glad to have you. Now, we've been talking about for this is the sixth week about having the power to change. And last week I was talking about how we have journals and we have Bibles and we have gear to do our spiritual training and growth and spiritual lives. And, and we spend time doing that. And I talked about something that you must have in gear. Do you remember what it was? washi tape. Do you remember that? And so some of you didn't know what that was. Skylar Adair, back there running the camera, one of our students, she came out and she showed it to me, gave it to me so I would have washi tape. So there it is. That's what, you thought I made that up. That's real stuff, okay? But I'm keeping it. Okay, now here's the thing. This is the sixth of six messages, and so we're going to jump right into it, and uh, we're going to do a quick review when we get into it, but it'll be real fast for maybe those who might not have been here for, uh, previously, okay? So the summer before my sixth grade year in school, my dad took a job as the accounting manager of the Carrier Air Conditioning Corporation, the new plant they had just built or were building in McMinnville, Tennessee. McMinnville is located about 70 miles southeast of Nashville, Tennessee, and it's at the base of the Cumberland Plateau. The Cumberland Plateau, about 2,000 feet elevation. McMinnville is about 1,000 feet elevation. It has the perfect climate and the perfect soil because all of the nutrients that come off of the mountain to grow fruit trees and dogwood trees. And so there's a lot of nurseries there. In fact, it's known as the nursery capital of the world. You can order trees from McMinnville, Tennessee. They go out all over the world. In fact, there's only 13,000 or so people in the population of McMinnville. But guess how many individual nursery businesses they have in this little town? Over 400 nursery businesses. And we're talking about a lot of land and a lot of trees and a lot of growth that has to take place for that. So I grew up with a bunch of guys whose dads owned nurseries, and consequently, I, from time to time, worked in those nurseries, both in high school and in college. Now, it was acres and acres of land filled with trees that would eventually be sold. Those trees had to be planted. They had to be taken care of. You had to spray for bugs. You had to get rid of the weeds. There was a lot of maintenance to that, but, and it was slow, meticulous work. You had to take care of them, but ultimately there was a payoff. Now, I told you all that because today we're going to be talking about the law of sowing and reaping. And if you want to reap a harvest, you have to sow in order to reap. Now, let me ask you a question as we get started today. Where do you want to be in five years? What's your plan? Five years from now, what's going to be going on in your life? Let's talk about some categories. Where are you going to be five years from now spiritually? Where are you going to be relationally? Where are you going to be financially? Where are you going to be physically? Where are you going to be in five years? Well, you say, spiritually, I want to know more of God's Word, and I want to grow and get closer to Him. Or you might say, you know, to be honest, right now, I'm kind of at a spiritual low. Right now, I'm really struggling, and, and I'm here today because of that. Or you might say, 
to be honest, really, I've kind of lost my faith. Some, some things have happened, some things that have been difficult. I haven't dealt with them very well. I don't know where God is, and I just feel detached. <clears throat> In five years, where are you going to be spiritually? In five years, where are you going to be relationally? Are you going to be developing God-honored friendships? Are your friendships going to be with good people or bad people? You see, the friendships have a big impact on where we go and what we do in our future. And so we want to be around good friends who will help us. What about in your marriage? Where's your marriage going to be in five years? Is it good or is it bad? Maybe you're here today and your marriage is struggling. Maybe you're fighting to stay married. Maybe if you were honest, you'd say in five years, we may be divorced. I don't really know. What about financially? Where are you going to be in five years? You're going to be debt-free with no more student loans, no more car payments, no more credit card payments. Finally, you're going to have some financial margin and you can become one of the most generous people that you've always wanted to be. Or... Maybe in five years you're going to be struggling. Maybe your debt's going to grow. Maybe the financial pressure's going to grow. Maybe you're going to be worse off in five years than you are right now financially. What about physically? Where are you going to be physically in five years? I'm going to be five years older. That's where I'm going to be, right? <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. If you stick around, that's the point. Are you going to be healthier? Are you going to be more energetic? Or are you going to be unhealthy? Are you going to be tired? Are you going to lack energy? In five years, for the big categories of your life, have you thought about where you're going to be in the future? Now, there are some external forces at work. You know, we can't do a lot about our genes, right? I mean, we're just born into families and we have the genes of the family. And so, you know, some of those things just are predisposition for us. But, you know, by and large, most of us can pretty much see where we're going to be in five years based on our habits. The habits you have today will shape who you become tomorrow. So what kind of habits do you have? Have you ever heard this? I'd never heard this before, and I thought it was really good. When you're born, you look like your parents, right? You look like your parents. But when you die, you look like your habits, uh-oh, uh-oh. That, well, that got everybody's attention at the last service. Some people are going, well, I guess I better be doing some changing this week. And some people are going, good, great, because I got great habits, okay? When you die, you look like your habits. So your reflection of your past habits has a direct impact on your future, and your habits today will shape who you become tomorrow. So here's the question I have for you today. Do you like the direction that your habits are taking you? Do you like where you're going? Now listen, intentions do not determine direction. Habits do. Habits make the difference. The scripture from Galatians, the apostle Paul says this, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. 
Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if, if we do not give up. Scripture says, don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. And so we have opportunity to sow seeds. So if we're sowing sin, then we will reap destruction. If we're sowing the Spirit of God, then we will reap eternal life. Someone explained it to me like this years ago. He said, all of us have two dogs inside of us, a good dog and a bad dog. Whichever dog we feed is the one that's going to grow, right? So it goes back to our habits. What are our habits? You reap what you sow. Do you like the direction that your habits are taking you? Now, quickly, real quickly, I just want to review the first five messages just to kind of give a, a thumbnail sketch so you're up to speed with me as we look at this last message. This is called the power to change, and that's what it's all about. The first week we said real and lasting change isn't behavior modification. It's spiritual transformation. It's not just what I do, but it's what God does in me. If I don't, if I don't, if I just change my behavior and I don't change my heart, then my behavior will come back, won't it? The second week we talked about our identity. And we said, you do what you do because of what you think of you. God often thinks so much more of us than we think of ourselves. And if we have a healthy self-esteem, we'll do healthy things, make healthy decisions. Conversely, the other is true. If we have low self-esteem, we'll make low decisions, low self-esteem decisions, and we won't grow. Because God has an identity for us, and he's planted that in us. There's a spiritual why and a spiritual um, uh, a spiritual why, and then there's also um, a spiritual who. And so the first week we said the spiritual why is, God, what, what is it that you're telling me? Not just, I'm just not going to make a decision based on what I want, but what do you want? And the spiritual who is, who do you say that I am, Lord? It's not just who I say I am, but it's who you say, and we want to change. The third week we talked about the spiritual what, and we said, what habit do you need to start. Make it obvious. Make it easy. The fourth week, we said, based on who you want to be, what habit do you need to break? Define it. Remove the cues that cause you to go in the wrong direction. If you're going in the wrong direction, interrupt the action with something else. And then last week, we said, based on who you want to become, how are you going to train? Change your mindset. And so we said, we're not just trying to do something. We're training to do something. And we're going to change our mindset in the way that we look at it. And today, for the sixth message, we want to talk about the spiritual impact that God is having in our lives. We want to be people who follow him. We want to have habits that please him. We want to have a harvest that is one he wants us to have. And so we've got to sow because it's about sowing and reaping. In Galatians, there are laws, and it talks about sowing and reaping in there. Now, for example, when you have a spiritual law like that, Gravity is a law, right? A, a law of nature. And what happened? What if? What would happen if I were to fall off the stage today? Which could happen with me. You never know. Okay? What would I would fall? 
down because there's gravity, right? Hey, anybody here ever fallen up? If you have, I want to talk to you. Let's write a book. We can get on TV, talk about it, okay? Get online because you don't fall up. You fall, why? Because of gravity, it pulls you down. And so they're lost and you reap what you sow. Now, law number one is this. You reap what you sow. That's number one. It's biblical. If you want an apple tree, you sow apple seeds. If you want a pear tree, pear seeds. Okay, that's the way that works. So godly habits create a godly outcome. However, ungodly habits create an ungodly outcome. And the scripture says in Hosea, but you have planted wickedness, you have reaped evil. And so you reap what you sow. Are your habits good or are they bad? For example, are you late to work? Do you have a bad attitude? A promotion is not in your future, okay? You may not be employed this week if things don't change. And so physically, physically, where are you? If you drink a six-pack of beer, you won't have a six-pack here. I'm just telling you that's the way it works out. Just wanted to mention that on Super Bowl Sunday. No specific reason. Just wanted to get that out there before you. It all depends on where you want to end up, right? Do you like what you're reaping? If you don't, change what you're sowing. Do you like your spiritual life? If you don't, change it. Now, law number two, you reap more than you sow. You do. You always do. Why? Because God multiplies what we do, and he blesses it. And Jesus said this in Mark, and the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even a hundred times as much as has been planted. So you're going to get back a harvest that could be as much as a hundred times more than what you planted because God multiplies it. You plant a seed, you get more fruit. It's, it's true in life. If you're nice to people, by and large, they'll be nice back to you. If you're ugly to people, they'll be ugly back to you. In your marriage, if you're nice and you love your spouse, they'll love you back. If you're ugly to them, it'll come back multiplied. I don't know that from personal experience, I have to say, because I'm just married to a wonderful, loving, kind, beautiful, gracious individual. But people have told me, they've come to my office for counseling and they've said there's problems, okay? We're not going to go into that, but, but I want you to see, you know, it kind of, you can get back what you give, okay? Now, Darren Hardy wrote a book and here's the book the compound effect. And in his book, he says, small, smart choices plus consistency plus time equals radical difference. And that's true. When I went to graduate school, I went in, and boy, every day I went to class, and I took notes. And every day I had to study. Graduate school was tough. And, you know, I was in school the whole year almost. I had August off. I would go fall. I would go January. I would go spring. I would go June. I would go July. I would have August off. I'd come to the beach. I'd stare at the water. People would have to come and pick me up and take me somewhere to get something to eat because I was fried, okay? And, and so it was three years, and it was like, running a marathon full speed. But eventually, eventually, I did graduate. It was slow. It was methodical. So Farah, Carmen, it does happen. You do graduate. They're both in seminary. Cameron, 
working on that doctor. They're in school. It'll happen. You will get there. And then when we got out of graduate school, Laura had graduated from college. I'd gotten out of graduate school seminary. We went to Sears and we splurged. I bought her with what little pennies we had that we scraped together. I bought her the cheapest microwave oven that Sears made. And she bought me the cheapest VCR that Sears made. It was the, it's the only VCR that I've ever seen that the remote had a cord. I've never seen one. It was an antique VCR. So you had to sit really close to the TV in order to make the remote work, okay? Put the couch right up there, and you can zoom in, and then you can make it work. You know, then we got out of graduate school. And the way that we benefited from graduate school was they gave us this great big book of payments for school loans. And they say, you have to pay these off, okay? And so yeah, back then we didn't have online. There was no online. Nobody was online. I hate to break it to you. We didn't have cell phones. This is right after the earth cooled. And then there was dirt. And then there was us, okay? None of that stuff was happening. So you would take out one of these little tickets and you would write a check. Get with me after the service. I will explain checks to you, okay? You would put it in an envelope. You would put this thing called a stamp on the envelope. You would mail that, put it in the mailbox, and mail that to the post office. And then it would go to the bank, and it would pay your note. And let me tell you, when I tore out that first little ticket in there, and I looked, the thing hadn't changed a bit. It was still as thick as all get out. And I said, I am never, ever going to pay all this, but once by month. Every month, we made that little payment. Every month, every year for years and years and years. And one day, we came down to the last one in the book. And I ripped it out. And I held up those stubs. I just flapped it around in the air because there wasn't anything left in there. I said, I'm going to hang on to this. I may frame it because I'm finally, I am paying it off now. It does happen. And so I finally did. Now, here's the point. You reap more than you sow because I got out of school and man, after being in school and not having any money, I went to the first church and I was paid a whopping $14,000 a year. 14000 I know, it's amazing. You've probably read my book about how I did it, 14000 a year. Laura was working at the preschool. She made 3000 We were rich. We were rich. We lived in this house. It was huge and it was a parsonage and we were so grateful and we would sit there at home at night because we could not afford to go eat seafood at those nice restaurants. But we're not bitter. It's okay. We've worked. We've made up for it over the years. And we would watch our little VCR with our cord on the remote. That's what we would do. We would sit home, peanut butter and jelly, and watch TV. We had a great time together. But you know, God blessed us. Now, the last thing is, the third point is you reap after you sow. You have to sow first in order to reap, right? You don't reap first, and so that's what you have to do. You reap in a different season. You plant in one season, and you harvest in another season. It takes a while. And sometimes you get discouraged because it's not happening fast enough. So where's the change? You go to the gym. It's the first week of the new year. I'm going to go work out. I've got a membership. I go to the gym. I work out for a whole week. And I look in the mirror and I get on the scale and I say, have I lost 50 pounds? No, no. It hasn't worked out that way for you just yet. But hang in there. Things will get better, okay? And you keep going. And then paying off debt. Let's say that you have student loan, okay? And so here's what you want to do. 
You don't drink coffee for a whole month. I know you, some of you have just gone into a coma right there. You've had a stroke. What? No coffee? I, I'm panicking now, okay? And you save $100. You got $100 from not drinking coffee for a month. So now you have a debt of $37,500 and you pay that $100. And now your debt's only $37,400 because you've paid off a whole hundred dollars, right? And you sit there and you start thinking, this is really not working. Now, here's what you wrongly conclude. You wrongly conclude that small decisions don't matter, but they do matter because every decision we make, we're choosing a direction to go. So who do you want to become? Well, I don't want to have a selfish why. I don't want to do something just because I want. I want to do something because God says, this is why I want. This is your purpose. This is why I want you to do this. So I want a spiritual why, right? And I'm not just trying to change. I'm training to change with God's help. I'm training my body for righteousness. I'm training my mind on the word of God. And I want to reap what I sow. So you have to do the right thing. It says, do not be deceived. God can not be marked. You reap what you sow. And when we're consistent, when we're faithful, when we honor God, when we make wise decisions, when we let Jesus lead us and empower us, and we make honoring habits, when we have hard work and discipline and sacrifice and faithfulness, it will not be wasted, but it will be stored up and we will be blessed by it. Now think about hot water, because that was on your mind this morning. When you woke up, first thing you thought was hot water, okay? Let's talk about that for a minute. Recently this happened. I explained to you that here at the church, when I got here, we didn't have hot water. If you went to the faucet anywhere, you got cold water, right? There was no hot water here unless you heated it up somewhere, right? Have a baptism, we got to go in the kitchen, heat that water up real quick because no hot water. So under my administration... I issued an edict, so let it be written, so let it be done. We shall have hot water. In my office, I have my own restroom. I thought, boy, I've made it. I've gotten here to, to a church where they give me my own restroom. And I went in, no hot water right there in my restroom. And I thought to myself, they trust me to be the senior pastor of this church and lead these people. They're just not too sure I can handle hot water. So we changed all that. We got it fixed, right? Now, yesterday we had a funeral. There's a lady in the church who goes to this service. I won't mention her name, but her initials are, no, I'm not going to do that. And she said, I, I have a complaint. I want to talk. I said, I'm sorry, ma'am. You'll have to go to the complaint department. I only listen to positive things. I'm just one man. I can only do so much. There's somebody else who deals with that part. She said, shut up and listen. So here's the deal. She said, you said, you said that we had hot water. We don't have hot water here. And I said, who we don't have? And she said, you go in the women's restroom. I said, stop right there. I'm not going in the women's restroom. It's not going to happen, okay? She said, well, if you go in there and you turn, I said, you know, we have these new faucets. But I said, you still have hot water you, because if you put your hand under it, the water comes on. But you've got to wait for the hot water to get there. So I asked them in the 9 o'clock service. I said, ladies, do you have hot water? You know what they said? Yes. <laughs> yes. 
We do have hot water. It might take a minute. You might have to be patient. It kind of goes along with this sermon, right? Okay? But you do have hot water. Now, here's the point. When you've got hot water, and it's, let's say it's 80 degrees, and then it goes up to 140, and then it goes on up from there to 204 and 205, and then it gets to 211 degrees. When it's 211 degrees, what is it? It's hot, okay? But one more degree, 212 degrees, it's boiling hot water. Well, if you want to boil, something makes all the difference. One little degree makes all the difference. And that's what Jesus says happens when you faithfully follow him. Over time, he builds a fire inside of you. The Holy Spirit goes to work on you. And now you're all pumped up and you're fired up for God. And you're, you're just on fire for the Lord. And one day you're reaping a harvest of righteousness because you've been faithful and obedient to him. And he's just been blessing you and you've been getting stronger and stronger. And so now you're renewing your mind with righteousness that he gives you. If you're weak, you start and you repent of sin. And if you fall down, you get back up. Up and you keep going. And, you know, you might receive criticism because here's what happens. Anytime you start doing something positive, there are some friends who come along and criticize what you do. Did you know that? You know about crabs? Crabs are in a crab trap and they call it a crab trap for a reason. You don't even have to have a lid on it because if you got a bunch of crabs in a crab trap, one crab starts to crawl out and the rest of him pull him back down and say, if we're not getting out, you're not getting out. And so the next one gets in up and they pull him back down and that's what crabs do. They just pull each other down all the time. Geese, on the other hand, geese fly in a V. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed that one line is longer than the other? Do you know why that is? Because there are more geese in that line than in the other line, that's why. <laughs> but here's the point. The goose in the front is leading, and it's got all the wind resistance, right? But the other geese, they're honking encouragement to the lead goose up there. And then when he gets tired, he comes back, and another one moves up, and they honk encouragement to him. Geese are just the opposite of crabs. They're positive. They're encouraging. So don't be crabby. <laughs> be geesey. That's what I say, right? Now, here's the point. I came here today to tell somebody, don't stop planting. Don't stop sowing. Don't stop believing. Don't stop renewing your mind. Don't stop turning back to God. Don't give up. Okay, I'm going to wrap this up. I'm just going to share one quick conclusion story with you, and we'll be done, okay? In 1986, I was appointed to serve a new church in Navarre, Florida. We had seven acres of land. We had the first little new building built and paid for. If we had 50 people, it was a big crowd. I was 29 years old. I would go out and visit prospective members every night, because that's what you did back then. You can't do that now today, because nobody's home. So it changed. Evangelism has changed. We know a different way to do it. But then I was out every night. And so we started buying adjacent property, and we had a master plan, and we outgrew it very quickly. So we went to a second master plan that was bigger. We outgrew it. So then we went to this third master plan, and that's the one we finished with. And Navarre was not a big place. Navarre wasn't even incorporated. But it was seven miles from Herbert Air Force Base, and it was about 10 miles from Fort Walton Beach, Florida. And every year, with a lot of work and God's blessing, the church grew each year. And so by the 13th year, we would take 
take in like 100 new members at least every year. In some years, we take in more than that. The 13th year, we were able to build a new permanent sanctuary, and we had over 700 people in average attendance and about 1,000 members by then. Now, it didn't happen overnight, but over time, it happened. And there was this woman from Fort Walton Beach who was driving out Highway 98, and she was going to Pensacola. And from a distance at the time, you could see that big new sanctuary sitting out there on the side of the road and a steeple 100 feet in the air. And she had a cell phone, and she called me because she had seen the church when it was first built, when we were first getting started, but she hadn't been by there in a long time, and she didn't know that we were building this new facility. And she called me, and she was so amazed that it was there. She didn't know it was there. And when she saw it, what she was saying was, in her mind, it was like that building sprang up overnight, right? But it took years and years of hard work and God's blessing to get there. Now, what happened was we sowed seeds and did deeds, and God grew the church. Write down 1 Corinthians 3, 6. Here's what it says. Paul planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the growth. So here's what I want you to know. God grows the church, and we get a front row seat to watch him work, but Paul planted, and Apollos watered. So we planted and we watered just as hard as we could during that time. So the point is this, you reap what you sow. And my question to you today is, what are you sowing? What are you sowing? Galatians says this, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Five years from now, where will you be? It depends on the direction that you take. You plant the right seeds, you have the right habits, you're going to go in the right direction. You will reap a harvest of righteousness if you don't give up. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you let us participate. You could do everything by yourself, but you don't do it that way. You let us get a front row seat to what you work. You give us an assignment. We just try to be faithful and obedient, and then you bless it. You make it happen, and we just celebrate what you do and the fact that we get to participate, we get to see it. Other people are blessed because of it. Father, I pray that we might take to heart what you're teaching us today. I pray that we might be people who would be ready and willing to change for the better with your help. And then we will thank you, we will celebrate, we will give you the glory, and we will be about your business, not just for us, but for others. And we pray this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen.